The Orioles scored only one run on Tuesday night, but sometimes, especially against the Washington Nationals, one run is just enough. As Kyle Bradish dealed and the Orioles lowered the magic number with a one nothing win over the Little Brothers from down south. I'll recap the win, plus talk about some injury updates on Ryan Mountcastle and Felix Bautista, and a little ode to the life of Brooks Robinson, coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, September 27th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap the Orioles' huge one nothing win over the Washington Nationals on Tuesday night. I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from that one, including an incredible start from Kyle Bradish, Gunnar Henderson providing all the offense, and the Orioles, well, just getting it done when maybe not everything is clicking for this team. Then we'll talk about some injury updates. Felix Bautista threw a live bullpen for the first time since his injury before the game Tuesday. Get you the update there. Could he come back and pitch for the Orioles in the postseason? And we got an update on Ryan Mountcastle, who seems to be progressing a little further to returning. Chat on that as well. And then finally, the sad news of the day. Mr. Oriole himself, Brooks Robinson, passing away at the age of 86 on Tuesday. Just a little ode to his life and his career coming up at the end of the pod. But that is all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. But before we get there, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. And make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. We are gaining towards 5,000 subscribers on the channel The goal is to get to 5,000 by the time the postseason starts for the Orioles. If we get there, going to do a big giveaway here on the YouTube channel. All you have to do is be subscribed to be entered. So make sure to subscribe to Locked on Orioles on YouTube. Thank you to the everydayers out there. Thank you to the new listener. Thank you to people who are checking in and out. Whatever it may be, it's been a great season. We got five games in the regular season to go, and then we've got postseason baseball. For the first time since I've hosted this podcast, I'm going to be talking about the postseason. We're going to have even more in-depth coverage, even more episodes coming up in the playoffs. So you want to be subscribed for that. But on today's episode, we're talking about an Orioles victory. Final score from Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Tuesday night. And the Battle of the Beltways is Orioles 1 and Nationals nothing. These two teams have now played three times this season, two early in the year in D.C. and now one in Baltimore. They'll have one more tonight. The Nats have not scored in the three games so far. It's been three Orioles shutout victories, and two of them have been of the one nothing variety, and one of them was on Tuesday night. With the victory, the Orioles open the two-game set and the six-game homestand that finishes off the season. With that one nothing win, they get to 98-59 and on the season. Now, the Orioles win, drop the magic number down to two, which means they'll need a combination of two Orioles wins and raise losses to win this division. Now, as this game was starting, it was not looking like there was any chance for the Rays to lose. They took a 7-0 lead in the third inning in Boston in game one of their two-game set now. 
But because the Orioles game was a one nothing game, I mean, that was a quick, quick baseball game that the Orioles played on Tuesday night. So even as I'm recording now, it's right around 9.20 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday night. Boston has fought back. It is a 7-5 Rays lead in the bottom of the seventh as I record. If the game goes final while I'm recording, I'll talk about it a bit. But otherwise, if the Rays hold on, the Orioles' magic number would be two, which meaning going into play on Wednesday, an O's win over the Nats and a Rays loss to the Red Sox would give the O's the division. But if the Red Sox were to come back and win it, that would drop the Orioles' magic number to one, which means either an Orioles win Wednesday night or a Rays loss would give the Orioles the AL East. But let me let you know how the Orioles did it. Five things you need to know from their one nothing victory over the Nationals on Tuesday night. The first thing you need to know is, and this is by far the most important thing from this game, Kyle Bradish was incredible. This guy continues to show himself as the ace of this Orioles staff. I've been on the Kyle Bradish train for two-plus years at this point. It is paying off in a big way. He has been unbelievable all season, and he may have saved his best for last because if all goes well, that was Bradish's final regular season start, and we don't see him again, at least in full, until game one of the postseason in the ALDS. But Kyle Bradish goes a season-high eight innings and keeps the Nats off the board. Just three hits, he struck out four and walked two through 104 pitches in this game and lowered his ERA to 2.86. Only qualified pitchers in the majors who have a better ERA this season are Garrett Cole and Sonny Gray. Bradish, he's not going to win the Cy Young, but he's going to certainly get some votes. Just six hard-hit balls by Nationals hitters in the eight innings. And the ground balls that he got in this game, I mean, were just ridiculous. Ground ball after ground ball. It wasn't a big strikeout day. It wasn't a big whiff day. Just five swings and misses on 41 pitches. Basically a season low in that category in terms of whiff percentage for Kyle Bradish. And yet he had eight scoreless innings. It shows you that sometimes you can beat offenses in different ways. And that is definitely what Kyle Bradish showed us. On Tuesday, the slider, it was not his normal slider. He had just two whiffs on 15 swings. Now, he was getting good called strikes with it, and it was in the zone. But he had to mix his pitches a little bit more. Like, he threw more four-seamers in this game because that was probably the most effective four-seamer that he'd had all year. Threw a good amount of sinkers. Threw more curveballs than he usually does because, honestly, I felt like his curveball was better than his slider on Tuesday night. So, his slider was still his number one pitch, but more curveballs than he generally throws, even more change-ups than he generally throws just to keep the Nats hitters off balance, and he did exactly that. And to kind of culminate this thing with this start, it's been incredible to watch Kyle Bradish all year. Even if the Orioles clinch, I mean, his next start would be scheduled for Sunday, the final day of the regular season. You would hope at this point the Orioles have the AL East clinched by then and really aren't playing for anything. You could see the O's kind of give Bradish the start Sunday and probably have him pitch like two or three innings and then bring him out just to make sure, you know, he stays on turn, gets some work in, doesn't get too rusty, but, you know, doesn't overwork himself in a meaningless game. But in terms of starts that really matter, this is probably the last one of the regular season and just what a regular season it's been for Kyle Bradish. What a way to finish it off. And I tweeted this out during the game, like, and the whiff numbers tell you this, he didn't have his best stuff. Like something was off for Kyle Bradish. Those couple of walks came early, wasn't having the bite on his slider, wasn't getting the swings and misses, and he still gives them eight scoreless innings. What a find by the Orioles. What a pitcher he's been. He is an ace. I mean, we've got to accept it now. The Orioles have, in Kyle Bradish, I think easily 
a top 20 and probably top 15 starting pitcher in Major League Baseball right now. They have an ace. He's been amazing. Hopefully this continues into the postseason. Second thing you need to know from the Orioles' 1-0 loss is that Yenier Cano closed it out and made it look a whole lot easier than it has in the past. And I said this on Monday's episode when talking about those two wins the Orioles got in Cleveland in the four-game series. When they got seven and a third on Saturday from John Means and then seven innings from Kyle Gibson on Sunday. The bullpen was basically drowning before that. They couldn't do anything. They were so tired. And then those starters just gave them a little bit of a break. And because of that, the Orioles' bullpen on Saturday and Sunday, when they weren't asked to do as much, retired, combined with four pitchers, retired all 11 batters they faced in those final two games. Now, this one was even easier because Bradish gives you eight. You only have to use one pitcher. Unfortunately, it's a one nothing game, so you go to your closer in Cano in the ninth inning, and he's facing the tough part. He's facing 2-3-4, the middle of the Nationals' order, a team that can hit a little bit and some guys that have certainly hit a little bit this year. And Cano strikes out the side 1-2-3. This is a guy in Yenier Cano who has struggled in September, who in his previous nine appearances in the month of September so far had only two total strikeouts. And then he comes in and strikes out all three batters he faces in the middle of the order to lock down a one-run save. The last time Cano came in and struck out all three batters he faced in an inning You have to go back to July 30th against the Yankees. It's been almost two months since he's done that. He's not the biggest strikeout pitcher. Like, he's much more of a sinker, change-up, ground ball guy. We know that. He's not Felix Bautista. But he should be getting more strikeouts than he is. And when he was finally rested, right, on Tuesday, he was just as dominant as we saw him early in the season. I mean, the change-up was just falling off the table. He got a strikeout with a slider. He got a couple with the changeup. It was the good, good stuff for Yinyer Cano. Four whiffs on seven swings, and he got one on each of his pitches. That's the Cano we know. It's crazy to think. Again, we heard a lot of people saying, what's the off day going to do for the Orioles? They're not going to do anything for him. This bullpen just stinks, yada, yada, yada. Well, if you look at Saturday, Sunday, off day Monday and Tuesday, where you get three long starts from your starters, all more than seven innings, and an off day Monday, the bullpen basically right now is almost as rested as it's been all year. And you know what that means? You get really good performances, and you get the best Cano we've seen in a while. Funny how it really just was that the O's were so tired with those 17 games in a row, that day off seems like it did wonders, and the bullpen, except for Cano, basically got another full day off because he was the only one who had to be used, huge development right now for the Orioles. Third thing you need to know from the win on Tuesday night is that despite the great pitching, right, Bradish great for eight, Cano looked unhittable, offense didn't do much. And it was really interesting because Gunnar Henderson, leading off the bottom of the first against Josiah Gray, the national starter, goes deep on a 2-2 slider. Gets into one, 28th home run of the year to lead the team. Takes the team lead back from Anthony Santander. It's a solo shot that puts COs up 1-0, hits it 107 off the bat, travels 400 feet. And you're thinking, all right, here we go. Lead off homer. Let's pour it on. And then the Orioles just did not score for the rest of the game. Is that a little concerning? Yeah, it kind of is. They had really two other chances. They put two on with nobody out in the fifth with the top of the lineup coming up. 
Henderson struck out. Rutschman grinded into a double play. Then they put two on with no out in the eighth. Santander grinded into a double play. And then Gunnar Henderson did try to steal home, which honestly was awesome, but he was thrown out at the plate to end the inning with Ryan O'Hearn up there. And that's the fourth thing you need to know from this game. Like, although Gunnar had a cool game, played well at short, hit the homer, tried to steal home, I was all for that. You know, it was kind of the perfect spot to try and steal home, right? You have a lefty pitcher on the mound, tough matchup for Ryan O'Hearn. Offense hasn't done anything. Two strikes, two outs. O'Hearn hasn't looked comfortable. You just try to, you know, because the lefty's not looking at third base, just try to take off. It took a perfect throw to barely get him. They had to review it, but they did get him with the perfect throw. But that's the fourth thing you need to know, right? The Orioles offense basically didn't do anything else. Again, they had those two chances I mentioned in the fifth and the eighth. Couple of double play balls really hurt him. They didn't strike out a lot in this game. It was just hitting the ball on the ground, not hitting the ball hard, and that hurt him. But the fifth and final thing you do need to know from this Orioles win is that at least the bottom of the order gave them a little something in this one, right? Seven, eight, nine in the Orioles order in this game was Austin Hayes, Adam Frazier, and Ramon Arias. Each of those three guys had a hit, and Frazier reached twice. He had a one for two with a single and a walk. Now, all the hits were singles, and none of them had RBIs, and none of them came around to score, because again, the only run was a Henderson solo homer. But the same kind of thing happened in Cleveland over the weekend. When the bottom of the Orioles order was showing out, they did it again on Tuesday. And maybe it didn't produce a lot of runs, but it is a great thing to have the bottom of the order ready to contribute just as much as the top of the order can. And even a guy like Ramon Arias, like he just had the single that, you know, tried to start that rally in the fifth inning. But even with that one for three for Arias, got the start out of the nine hole on Tuesday night. He's now hitting 346 in the month of September. Like Arias is heating up, but he's basically hitting eighth or ninth whenever he's in the order. That's been huge for the bottom part of the Orioles lineup, just getting themselves on base, and hopefully the guys like Henderson and Rutschman and Santander can drive them in at the top. But the Orioles do get the win as I continue to record here. Red Sox trying to inch a little closer, 7-6 game in the eighth now. Again, we'll keep you updated there, although when you're listening and watching, that game's already over. Really just about me uh, cheering them on myself here on Tuesday night. But next up... Got some injury updates to talk about. Two of the Orioles stars, Ryan Mountcastle and Felix Bautista. Could they have both of them back for the postseason? Talk about that coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Nutrafol. Now, here's the thing, Locked On Orioles fans. You don't have to choose between hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole-body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. Did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of the thinning with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Their hair growth supplements use physician-formulated, natural, science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free, patented technology provides consistent, reliable results. So go to Nutrafol.com men to take their hair health wellness quiz, identify causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair through the whole body wellness. Take the first step to visibly thicker and healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONMLB. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend a Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men. 
spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men and enter promo code locked on MLB. That's Nutrafol.com slash men promo code locked on MLB. So the Orioles take down the Nationals one nothing on Tuesday night for now lowering their magic number to two in the AL East getting oh so close to clinching that division. But it feels like the Orioles are also oh so close to getting some help back from the injured list. Now the first one who will certainly be back sooner is Ryan Mountcastle. Now Mountcastle's been out for a little while now with a shoulder issue. It's actually two weeks ago now that Mountcastle went down with that shoulder injury against the Cardinals, took a swing, felt something weird. They called it like a left AC joint inflammation or sprain or some sort of issue there. He was out for essentially seven days at that point. And they finally decided, okay, let's put him on the injured list. They were only able to backdate the IL stint for three days. So I think it was backdated to last Sunday. Either way, the 10-day IL stint means he could be activated today here on Wednesday. Now, Brandon Hyde did talk about Mountcastle before Tuesday's game because Ryan took some BP on the field before Tuesday's game, and he looked good. He hit a lot of balls hard, and it seemed like, at least from the Orioles beat writers talking about it, he seemed to be swinging it well and looking healthier. Hyde did say there is a chance Mountcastle is activated today, but the way Hyde talked, it really feels like it's going to be at least a couple more days for Ryan Mountcastle. Now, I do think the way Hyde was talking, Mountcastle will probably be activated before the regular season ends, and he'll get some at-bats in. And basically, you have one of two choices when you bring back Mountcastle. You option one of two players, either Ryan McKenna or Heston Kerstad. If you don't value as much the defense or the defensive replacements and the pinch running because you feel like you have, you know, Hayes, Mullins, and Hicks out there at any time, then you send down McKenna. If you feel like Kerstad's just not going to be able to have a spot to play once Mountcastle's back, then you send down Kerstad. That's pretty much the choice there. I think they're probably leaning McKenna a little bit, but they probably have a couple of more days to make that decision. And it will be nice to get Ryan Mountcastle back in there because one thing you've noticed from the Orioles lineup since Mountcastle's been out, the one way you can get them out, especially later in games, is with a good lefty reliever at the top of the order. Because especially at Camden Yards, you can face Gunnar Henderson left on left, does struggle against lefties. Then you can face Rutschman and Santander, both hitting from the right side where they both hit well, but their power is kind of zapped because of the big wall in left field from the right side. Then you face O'Hearn, struggles some against lefties. And then you either face maybe Hayes, or you could potentially, like on Tuesday night, then face Mullins, another lefty, who hits better against right-handers. So it is nice to have against a lefty either Mountcastle in the middle of that order, or at the very least, Mountcastle ready to come off the bench and hit against a lefty. Because right now, I mean, sometimes you have Jordan Westberg as that option off the bench, but when you have Mountcastle, who mashes left-handers, that balances your lineup a lot more. So the Orioles obviously excited, hopefully, to get Mountcastle back very soon. But the even bigger injury news from Tuesday came in the area of Felix Bautista, who, on the field before the game on Tuesday at Camden Yards, threw his first live bullpen since going down with that elbow injury in that game about a month ago at home against the Rockies. Now, we know the injury at this point, a partial UCL tear in the throwing elbow for Felix Bautista. The Orioles have talked about how doctors have said, you know, they don't think him throwing more will aggravate the injury anymore. We've talked about how whether he gets Tommy John surgery now or he gets it after the playoffs, either way, he's going to be out for all of 2024 and most likely back for the beginning of 2025. So the Orioles have a little bit of time to make that Tommy John decision. And Felix has continued to throw at this point. He was throwing, playing catch, playing light catch, throwing some light bullpens. And now he throws a live batting practice. Basically, the difference is it's on the field mound. 
you have an actual catcher and you have an actual hitter like taking some swings against you in the batter's box. That is the difference of a live BP. That is the first time Felix had done it. Now, a lot of the Orioles media was there. They said that he threw, he mixed his pitches. He threw 25 pitches in the live BP. He mixed through the fastball, through the splitter, through the slider. So through all three offerings, which is good. Now the Orioles did not provide, which I totally understand. They did not provide any velocity readings. That's really the number one question here. Can Felix still throw 101 with this injury? Or is he pitching more at 97, 98 with this injury? Which is a different pitcher. It's still a good pitcher. But, you know, if it's not 101, the fastball is a little different. So that's the big question. We didn't get that answer. But Hyde was asked about it before Tuesday's game. And Brandon Hyde seemed very noncommittal. He talked about how, you know, they're kind of running out of time to make this decision because you don't have a lot of games left, right? The Orioles have five regular season games left on the schedule. And the Norfolk Tides at this point have at least one game left, but it could be as little as two, and it wouldn't be more than three games left. Norfolk Tides right now have game two and three of the International League Championship Series tonight and tomorrow. And then if they win that series, they'd play a one-game AAA championship on Saturday, and then their season would be over. So you wouldn't even have kind of that game action option for a rehab outing after Saturday. And, and it's even likely that after Thursday, you won't have that option. So you're right running out of time because you know, and I talked about this on yesterday's mailbag episode, the Orioles would like to get Felix Bautista, you would think, in a game setting at least once before they, if they do decide this, to pitch him in a postseason game. Yeah, you can throw as many live BPs and bullpens as you want. Nothing's the same as pitching in an actual game, and they would prefer a big league game, I would think. But at the very least, they could get him in a minor league game. That'd be nice. But those chances are really running dry because we're getting to the end of the season at this point. Now, if the O's can lock up this division, the playoffs for them in the ALDS would not start until next Saturday. So they'd still have, at this point, 11 days until they'd need to make the playoff roster and really make that Felix Bautista decision on whether or not they're going to try to send him back out there in the postseason. But again, Brandon Hyde was talking about, you know, they're kind of running out of time. He was saying, you know, you just never know. He was kind of talking about, he was really like pumping the brakes, which is kind of Hyde's job at this point. Like, I still don't think personally that they're going to use Bautista in the playoffs, but the fact that he's thrown this much since the injury makes me give it a much higher chance than I did like, you know, when I recorded two days after the injury and basically was like, yeah, he's not coming back till probably 2025. I give it a little higher chance at this point because of all this, but I still don't think they're going to do it for the health of him and just for the fact that I don't think he's going to be the same pitcher. Even if they say he can throw, it's just not going to be the same. You would have to think with that UCL tear. We will see, but there is some promising news. And if he's not feeling pain, they might still just, Send him back out there and see, hey, can you do it? Try to go win us a World Series at this point. But we've got one more thing to get to here on today's episode. Yes, it was an awesome day Tuesday, an Orioles win, lowering the magic number, but unfortunately, some heartbreaking news out of Birdland on Tuesday. Mr. Oriole himself, Brooks Robinson, as the O's and his family announced, passing away at the age of 86. And coming up next to finish off the pod, just want to talk about a little bit about Brooks and his life and his career in and outside of the Orioles. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Jace Medical. Now you're wondering, what is Jace Medical? Well, with storms, with shortages, pandemics, reliance on supply chain issues, people need to be prepared more now than ever. Well, that's where Jace Medical comes in. It's simple. You go online, you fill out a form, and then you get a prescription 
life-saving medication sent right to your door. The Jace case, which is their top product, gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. And you can get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That is J-A-S-E medical.com. So the Orioles got that win on Tuesday against the Nationals by a score of one to nothing. They will go back at it here tonight. Game two of the quick little two-game set. And in tonight's game two, it will be the Orioles going for the little two-game sweep. Patrick Corbin will take the mound for the Washington Nationals in this one. The 34-year-old lefty. Basically been an innings eater at this point for the Nats. That contract, yeah, they won a World Series, um, but since then, not looking so great. A 5-1-3 ERA, although he's thrown 175 innings this year. His last start against Atlanta, four and a third, five runs on five hits with just one strikeout and one walk in that game for Patrick Corbin, who the O's have seen a few times over the years, but he did not face Baltimore in the series in D.C. earlier this season. And he'll go up against Grayson Rodriguez, who continues to pitch incredibly well. Last start against Cleveland wasn't great. He got into some deep counts, a lot of foul balls, ended up only lasting five innings in that one. Only allowed two runs on five hits with seven strikeouts for Grayson, but obviously you'd like him to get a little deeper into the game, and this will be Grayson's first start against the Nationals. And you can listen to every single pitch of the Orioles' hometown radio broadcast of Game 2 between the Orioles and the Nats on the SXM app through SiriusXM. Just download the app and search Orioles. That is a 6.35 p.m. Eastern time start again tonight. I will be in the ballpark in Section 62, so come by and say hi if you would like to. Hopefully seeing an Orioles clinch. Now, as I record again, the magic number is two, which would mean the Orioles would need to win and the Rays would need to lose to the Red Sox on Wednesday night for the Orioles to clinch. As I'm talking here, it's 9-7 Tampa, bottom of the eighth. Sox have runners on second and third with one out. So things could change as I'm recording again. If the Sox come back and win, magic number would go to one, which means either an Orioles win or a Rays loss Wednesday night would give the Orioles the division. But before I got out of here today, just did want to talk about, of course, the sad, heartbreaking news from Birdland on Tuesday. Mr. Oriole himself, Brooks Robinson, as it was announced by the Orioles and his family shortly before, really, first pitch of Tuesday's game, that Brooks did pass away on Tuesday at the age of 86. Now, we did kind of hear from Scott Garceau and Jim Palmer on the Masson pregame show that, you know, Brooks's health was declining a bit recently and, you know, that this was something that family and friends were preparing for a bit, but just not make it any less heartbreaking for really the Oriole himself. And obviously at the age I'm at, I never watched Brooks Robinson play. I mean, I never really watched Cal Ripken Jr. play. I mean, I was alive at the end of his career, but I wasn't really aware enough of Orioles baseball to watch him play. But for Brooks Robinson, like if you grow up in an Orioles family, like I did. Brooks Robinson is like the first Oriole that you learn about, the first historical Oriole. Besides the guys that are on the team, you're watching on the TV when you first get into the O's. If you come from a family that's watched the Orioles for generations, just like mine has, it feels like that first person you learn about is Brooks Robinson because he is the career Oriole. Came up in 1955 at age 18 for the Orioles and played all 23 major league seasons with the O's before retiring at age 40 in 1977. 
all 23 seasons with the Orioles. Of course, he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame and the Orioles Hall of Fame. Incredibly accomplished and unbelievable career for Brooks. Widely regarded as the greatest defensive third baseman in baseball history, and I will stick to that. The MVP in 1964, an 18-time All-Star. He played 23 seasons, 18 of them. He was an All-Star. Incredible from Brooks Robinson. Not just 16 gold gloves did he win at third base, 16 consecutive gold gloves. If you were a third baseman in baseball, you just knew for 16 years you just weren't winning the gold glove because as long as Brooks Robinson was healthy, he was winning that award. Won two World Series titles with the Orioles in 1966 and in 1970. In 1970, he was the World Series MVP, had two homers, hit 429 in the Fall Classic that year when the Orioles beat the Reds to take home their second championship. Just such an important Oriole. And really, you know, you think back, the Orioles moved to Baltimore, became the Orioles in 1954. Brooks Robinson played his first game a year later at age 18 at the end of the season in 1955. He was basically the start of the Orioles. He was like the first good player that the Baltimore Orioles had, and he stuck around for 23 years in the same uniform. What a career. And then after he retired, right, he hangs it up in 1977, but he's still around the Orioles. You know how happy he was when they won it in 83. And he's still been around the team since then. I mean, Brooks even came and spoke to the 2022 Orioles, talked about how he watches the games, how proud he is of that team. They had a Brooks Robinson day in September of last year, drove him around the ballpark just like they did back in the 70s when he retired. It was so, so cool that they got the chance to do that as well at the end of last season. And to see how much he was still watching the Orioles. I mean, Jim Palmer, who was getting choked up on the pregame show, was talking about how, you know, he had talked to Brooks and his wife earlier this year and how Brooks was still watching the Orioles, was still into this team, cheering on this team. And you know this team is going to feel this loss. You know they're going to try to do this, win this World Series for Brooks Robinson this year. But just like what, you know, you, I never got to meet him in person, but you hear all the stories that, you know, every single person who talked about Brooks on Tuesday, you never hear a bad word about him. Like he must have been one of the best people, not just best players, but best people in baseball history. I mean, Mr. Oriole himself, one of the most well-liked, well-respected players there was, one of the greatest to ever do it at his position. So many highlight reel plays, so many big hits, so many great moments, both during his playing career and off the field as well. And even since then, just being around the ballpark, you know how beloved he is in Baltimore. And there's the quote about, you know, you have so many kids in Baltimore. They name their children after Brooks Robinson. You know, there's Brooks after Brooks that you're going to meet. Kids in Baltimore, adults now, who were named Brooks back then. What an impact he had on the Orioles. He will obviously be sorely, sorely missed. And, you know, we know the O's will do something cool, probably, you know, number five patch or something like that on their jerseys as they go into the postseason this year, but just an incredible career, an incredible ambassador for the game, and, and really is like when you think Orioles, yeah, you're going to think Jim Palmer and Eddie Murray and Cal Ripken Jr. and Frank Robinson and Earl Weaver and all those guys. You're going to think about them, but I feel like for a lot of people, number one you think about is Brooks Robinson. A sad day as he passes away at the age of 86 on Tuesday, one of the greatest to ever do it in an Oriole uniform. But that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in again. O's are back to it tonight. It looks like as the Rays got out of that jam, they're into the ninth with a two-run lead. Looks like the Rays are going to wrap up this win, which means the magic number is going to be two, which means tonight the Orioles need a win and a Rays loss to clinch the division. They could do it. Whether or not they do, 
I'll be back with you tomorrow recapping the O's and the Nats, getting us closer and closer to postseason baseball. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.